Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 116 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and as always, I'm joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan. How you doing this week? Good. It's been a long week, dude. Yeah. So, the parents have been out of town, so I've been house-sitting. Lauren has been uh, shirking her responsibilities and just never goes over. Mm-hmm. So, I've pretty much been living there every other day, which is actually pretty fun. Um it was pretty nice out. I think 80s this week until it rained. Um, so I like maybe for an hour or two, I took the dog out, chained her up out back on the run that we have, and I would just sit out in the lawn chairs and and work. Yeah, nice. And I actually got a farmer's tan from it. Good for you, man. So uh, yeah, you were looking a little steamy over there. I dude, I've got I got the meat sweats. Oh. So <laughs> this morning I actually uh, got up and went to the gym. And then last yesterday, I bought habaneros and jalapenos because I'm an idiot. This sounds like a disaster. Yeah. So I ended up making chicken after the gym, and I put some roasted habaneros and jalapenos on it. Dude, we're going to have to pause this podcast in about 30 minutes. What? We're going to have to pause the podcast in about 30 minutes because you're going to erupt like a volcano. Hopefully not, (laughs) for both our sakes. (laughs) But yeah, no, it was really good. Um, Yeah, it's just been a long week. Mm. Mm. Yeah, let's see. What else did I do this week? Um, on the way over here, you remember the movie The Visit? With oh, yeah. M. Light Shyamalan. Great movie. That's Is that the one with the girl who, like, the old lady who crawls underneath the house? Exactly. Okay, so that lady was in the car next to me <laughs> on the <laughs> no way here. Way. <laughs> so I was just, like, because I had the meat sweats, I was just dripping on my way over here, and I can't put these headphones on with just meat sweat hair. Mm-hmm. So I had to like cool down and dry my hair out so I open up the windows just all my locks just blown in the wind and I look over on the main road to get here and this lady is just like hard staring at me and it's like maybe what 45 90 degree angle from her car like mm-hmm. you, you're looking at the road 90 degrees full turn just Love staring at me this old lady well, yeah. what came to the situation? Did you get uh, I quickly turned my head to look straight, <laughs> and I just, I don't know, I just tried to avoid eye contact, because I thought she was just going to crawl into my car and eat my face. Nice. But that, that didn't happen, because we're here now. <laughs> That's right. This is the Otaku Brothers Podcast. My name is Rusty, like I said at the top of the show. Over here is Ryan. He is my brother-in-law, and we have a pretty chill agenda to talk about today. A lot of great video game news. It's been a while since we've talked about some of the video game happenings in the world on this show. Yeah. But there was a lot of great streams, a lot of birthday celebrations this week for some series and characters. So we're going to run down all of that fun stuff. I have some interesting, uh, I would say unusual life happenings this week as it relates to my job and other things going on in my life. So we'll get to that. And then at the end of the show, I know Ryan and I have been kind of teasing and hyping up all these different segments of the show. And then we end up not doing pretty much any of them. Yeah, so we apologize. This week's kind of been crazy with us both house-sitting and then Rusty's happenings, which he will explain. Exactly. But what we are going to do, if you stuck around for the tail end of last episode, I pitched the next segment that we're going to be doing for Otaku Brothers called Destiny Island Challenge. 
I will talk about that again. So again, you always have to stay for the end of the Otaku Brothers show because we have fun things that we're still trickling out as the show ends, even fun music that we'll play. But I'll talk about what that segment is, and I'm also going to talk about the console that Ryan and I will be discussing on next week's episode. Yes. So stay tuned for the end of the show for those details. But, uh, yeah, Ryan, you kind of already talked about jalapenos and crazy old women, but what else went down this week for you? Um, I mean, most of my time was just bouncing between the two houses. I... I was kind of at my apartment yesterday, Friday, and then today. Um, so I've I figured out the new gym. Like the gym that I go to has changed its name like three times because of what either bankruptcies or being sold. Mm. Um, at first it was Urban Active, and then it went to LA Fitness. But I think LA Fitness got sold to like some esports whatever. Okay. Um, so there, I think it was because California makes up LA Fitness. I don't know if I'm an idiot or not. I was like, LA Fitness, why are they are they based in California? I just I never made the connection over the, like the 5 years I've been going to this gym. Yeah. Apparently I'm not smart. But I think like 16% of their market share is made in California, but over COVID, mm. California shut everything down so they had to liquidate. But yeah, I've been more consistent over the last 3 days <laughs> and it's crazy how much of a difference or like how much going back has changed like like my mental health oh just yeah. going back in like the last three days or getting back into it i kind of underestimated how much that played into like my overall like well-being even just being around people you know like yeah. i'm looking forward to going back into the office in a week and a half and you really do underestimate it because you know even though lauren and i got the house i still feel very trapped yeah and, you know, you're in a one-bedroom apartment. I can certainly empathize with that because it's tough. You know, you can go on, you know, 12-mile walks every single day with your dog. But it really doesn't matter because – well, it does matter and that helps certainly. But getting out, being around people, certainly exercising, all of those things are tremendous things to help with your mental health. Yeah. And so, like, my routine has been I go there, do, like, 20 minutes of walking while listening to my book on tape. Which one are you look, listening to right now? The second Aragon book. Eldest? Eldest. Okay. Yeah, and I think I have, like, five or six hours left Oh wow! in the 25-hour book. Is this, like, Empire Strikes Back, or how's the story going down? Um, well, I've... The first book was purely Aragon. You and mean A New Hope? Yes, Luke. The first book is purely Luke well, on a dragon. Were, that's what you were originally talking about, Well, there's right? four books. That's the issue. Yeah. It's not three. So this more still rising action. This is probably still a new hope. Okay. We haven't gotten to like the big holy shit, someone's got a father. The dragon's actually his dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, um, yeah. So this one, the first book was just purely Aragon or Luke Skywalker. And now it's the second book kind of diverges into Luke and Leia. So mm. we got two characters that we're kind of following around. Um, or Roran is the other, the stepbrother interesting um yeah but i'm hoping vader comes in the next one and then we uh, the last fourth book will have the emperor or ray oh gosh <laughs> ray's the new emperor got it or empress yeah words yeah so yeah the gym's been great um so listen to that book and then after that i so i just i've missed sweating like a profusely they're like nothing i don't know i can't work out at home it's, it's just not the same atmosphere. 
like the testosterone and just the needles and the like just lifting weights and HGH and needles? all the things. What, what gym are you going to? <laughs> the shady kind. Okay. Um, no, it, it's just, I don't know. It's something about, even though no one's talking to each other, it's just the camaraderie of everyone's just sweating. Nice. Something fun about that. But Good for you. Yeah. So I'm happy. I, I, dude, I'm, I'm happy you're happy. Good. Yeah. I love you, man. <laughs> Life's great. Oh, high five. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I love Otaku Brothers. I, okay, so how's your week? Yeah, I don't know where to segment after that shit. So how's your week, man? Are you happy? No, I didn't, I didn't mean to pigeonhole you and, act, and make some weird, awkward moment. I was just. No, that's cool. I'm just extremely caffeinated now, and it's just hitting me. Like, I thought the gallon of water I've had before this episode would kind of dilute mm-hmm. the, like, injections of caffeine I've had. Okay. But, nope. All right. Well, yeah. I'm glad you're having a good week. I'm glad the exercise is doing wonders for your health, your health and your head, really. Um, yeah. But good stuff, man. Uh, yeah, so it was an interesting week. I think we briefly talked about it last episode that I would be pet-sitting for my sister at my dad's house because my sister turned 30 this week, which is crazy. Uh, But she was celebrating that birthday down in St. John with my dad and her boyfriend. And so I kind of moved into my dad's place to watch her 120-pound pit bull. And that dog is seriously like a a hibernating bear. He doesn't do much but sleep, but it's definitely definitely nice for me because I had a pretty hectic work week. Yeah. uh, To to put it lightly. Um, But yeah, so it was nice. I'll get into the work stuff in a minute. But it was nice, you know, just to unplug at the end of the day. uh, Play a lot of PS5. Didn't really watch many movies. Watch more Survivor. And uh, yeah, I just kind of hung out at my dad's place. It was nice. But So what do you feed him? Do you just like throw a small animal his way? (laughs) And just like... He eats the animal and then goes back to hibernation like a bear or he um he eats, you know, whatever. I think my sister, <laughs> yeah. yep. my sister literally has a bag of Rachel Ray dog food. I didn't know she had a, a that sounds really expensive. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. And it was not an economy sized you know, bag of dog food like we have for Scoob. Yeah. Um. So I imagine they're paying a pretty penny for food that they probably don't need to be. Yeah, I think we buy the same dog food. It's like that 40-pound bag of, like, pro dog. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Sarah does not buy that food for Grim. Uh, it, it's pretty... He, he's eating well. Jeez, he's probably eating better than I eat. <laughs> probably. Like, Nala was eating Blue Mountain or, like, whatever. Which that, is expensive. It's very expensive. It was, like, ha- double the price. And probably half the amount of food. Yeah, but... Who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Grim is the name of her dog. He's a sweetheart. It was fun hanging out with him this week. But the kind of uh, unfortunate thing that happened is, and I think a lot of a lot of people probably see this as they begin to go back to the office and hiring freezes are let up. And people have had a year and a half at this point to think about, do they like their job? Do they love their job? Are they looking for that next opportunity? And that's kind of what happened this week for me at work is about 60% of my staff, uh, people like at my level, are leaving my team. Very nice. And so, you know, I was looking forward to going back in the office and kind of being surrounded by my team and, you know, having, as you were kind of uh, describing with the gym, that camaraderie and having that fuel my energy because I kind of lean more to the extrovert side of things. But now most of my team is is leaving. Um, So... 
especially now that we're kind of piloting some of these more agile concepts with our audits and we're moving at a quicker clip, it's a lot of that responsibility is going to be now on me, Yeah, which is going to be tough. And, you know, I, I can really approach it with a glass half empty or a glass half full um, approach. I, I can look at it as, well, this sucks. Uh, I'm pissed. Maybe I should just follow suit and leave and screw these people. Or I can look at it with a glass half full um, and think, well, now I have the unique opportunity to kind of be the most tenured staff member and stick it out. It might be a brutal eight to 12 months as we continue or as we, you know, get and hire some some contractors and then eventually some full staffer, full time staffers. But I have the unique opportunity to kind of be a leader uh, from a staffing perspective. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of the approach I'm taking. Obviously, in the moment <laughs> late last week, it was tough to to be all positive about it because it sucks, you know, especially some of these people I'm close with. Um, some of them are really good friends of mine. So it is what it is. That's just corporate life, you know, especially yeah. in the auditing field, you're going to experience significant turnover. But it was eye-opening for me because I feel like po- leaving, I worked in big four accounting um, prior to the role I'm in now. And obviously that'll just burn anyone out. And I did that for two years. But after that, I felt like, I just needed some time to collect myself and figure out like what I actually want to do. Well, then I got super comfortable and I was kind of complacent for about a year, year and a half. And then as I started to get motivated again to reach for those stretch opportunities and, and challenge myself professionally, then the pandemic happened. Yeah. And then my mental health went to shit for about a year. And now it's like, all right, now I'm getting ready to go back in the office beginning to kind of think about what my next move is going to be. And then my entire team leaves and it's like, okay, well now I really like my boss. I really respect my boss and my boss's boss. So like, I don't want to put them in a tough position. I know I don't necessarily owe it to them because a lot of people will be like, Rusty, you know, take care of yourself first. And and I agree with that, but, um, I don't feel like I'm in a place necessarily where I need to leave. Uh, There's nothing I need to run from and there's nothing I really want to run to right now in terms of my next opportunity. So uh, it was a lot to take in, a lot to process. But, it, you know, there's nothing great video games can't help you overcome, Ryan. Yeah, no kidding. And dogs. Dogs yeah, are great. especially Kingdom Hearts. Yes, yes. So um, it was a tough week work-wise, but, you know, we're getting over it. And I think this this extra day for Memorial Day uh, weekend is going to help. It was definitely needed. It's definitely going to help. Yeah. So uh, I'm actually going to be editing this podcast episode because obviously I'm over our pl- my, my house now. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to go back to my dad's place, mow his lawn, get my sister's dog out, uh, let him out to go to the restroom, and then I'll move back into my house later tonight and uh, have all day tomorrow for Lauren and I just to kind of chill. So they're flying in what, today? Tonight, yeah. Okay. So they'll get back late tonight, and I told my sister, like, hey, you need to get your butt over here because I'm moving back home. So... Um, don't leave your dog out because, um, or don't leave your dog in the dark and not come and, and get him because he's going to be in a cage for the next 24 hours if you don't. So, yeah. um, but yeah, looking forward to moving back in here. And, uh, again, it's going to be a tough few weeks of work, but that's life and, uh, we'll get over it. Yeah. It's also nice probably because they'll actually rehire the full staff if, mm-hmm. for us. We have the same amount of turnover or we have over the last like six months, but they just decided not to hire people back. <laughs> so it's like a long-term thing of like everyone gets more shit. See, Ryan's laughing, but he's actually crying internally. Yeah, it hurts. Everything's going to shit at my place. So Yeah. Well, let Good it be time. a lesson for you to 
to get out. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, Definitely this last year, like you were saying, is allowed everyone to reevaluate what their priority is. And generally, it's their mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why everyone's left. (laughs) So, yeah. 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 Getting back in the gym and then getting back into life is going to be a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. The first step of that is video games. That it is, Ryan. So let the good people know, what have you been playing this week? Uh, Let's see. What have I been playing? Well, you got me into Kingdom Hearts. You were talking about platinuming it for your 50th. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, shit, I might as well do that with you. Um, So last weekend, I got the, was it the Ultima Blade? Which is my first Ultima Blade, and I was super happy. It looks awesome. And then I was just knocking out some trophies. I think I started around 50% done with that trophy because I had started the grind previously, but the little flan challenges are the thing that pissed me off and made me quit. Mm, yeah. But to get the last Aura Calcum, you have to do all the flan challenges and get the high scores. Unfortunately, after you beat that, you can't just kick it aside because some of the ingredients for the food for that trophy needs the flan challenge food mm. so i have two more food or two more flan challenges before i can never do a flan ever again. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm so ready for that but i think the remaining ones are just basically max out my little book of treasures and high scores of like the dancing for tangled oh, so nothing yeah. crazy some of the ones that you've already done um but yeah that's i i think i'm like 72 percent. you're 77 so i'm catching up but i think you put yours on hold Mm -hmm. a little bit um i played monster hunter rise ben came over last week or last weekend and we played a bit of monster hunter and then this week the update for this month came out for monster hunter so the ending they updated the ending of the story so we have the final boss now in monster hunter rise and then they also added Valstrax, which is basically a rocket-winged dragon. Nice. Um, but Valstrax in Monster Hunter Generation Ultimate is green. This is the Crimson Valstrax, which is the red variant. And he is a hard fight. Um, so I was playing some Monster Hunter last night with Ben and... Everyone just, like, some random people just started withdrawing from our quest after they got in there. Um, it turns out Ben was just kicking them, like, right out. Um, so he would look at their skills, and if they don't have a good set of skills on their shit, so, like, they know what they're doing, boot them. This is why I can't play Monster Hunter <laughs> with you guys. No, like, the problem is, like, in those harder fights, Valstrex has, like, similar to, like, the Basil Goose, which is, like, the dive bomber. I'm totally following you, yeah. Yeah, so it basically launches itself into you. It, like, flies up around and then launches into you. It can one-shot you. Mm. So if you don't have the right set of skills or you just have a random assortment, like, you're not actually thinking about the skills, then you're kind of fucked. Mm. And you only have three deaths before you fail the quest. So... We failed like two or three quests out of the six, so we ended up just starting booting people. Um, and then RuneScape. Last weekend, I well, what I've been doing in RuneScape while I'm at work is I can AFK. <laughs> uh, never mind. Uh, no, I love it. Keep going. So I can, it's because of my prayer level, I can click every seven minutes just to re-pot myself or basically drink a potion 
and then it keeps me from taking damage so I can just every seven minutes click once and then it goes so I do that and when it goes you're accumulating experience points yeah I'm accumulating experience so I hate training combat but this gets my combat levels up mm. because what Ben and I want to do are we started doing bossing but he's like level 90 in most of his combat skills and I was like 80s so what I'm doing now is training up my combat so we can start doing end game PVM. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now is there can you see the credits roll in RuneScape? No, you can't. There is no end. <laughs> <laughs> Love the that. end is the death of the player. <laughs> nice. Um No, there is. I mean MMOs are pretty much endless. You can make it what you want. Um for me the end would be like if I were to get max in every skill which i don't ever plan on doing Mm -hmm. but that would be the end like that's you've technically completed all the main objectives after that a lot of people hunt for pets so there's a specific drop chance per each boss or for some of the gathering skills you can get a pet um so like there's a cerberus um end game boss who's basically the three-headed red dog and you can actually get a hell puppy that follows you around um but yeah there's no end okay you play forever nice so that's good yeah no i'm let's see i'm level 105 at 126 so basically i have to get all my combat or melees up to 99 and then i can get 126 that's been a goal f- since I started back in 2007 to be the highest level, um, but I'll get there eventually. Okay. But that's about it. Um, those main games, I'll be. I didn't really play a ton just because I was hopping between the two um, houses this week. I didn't bring my PS5 over to the parents, so it was pretty much just Monster Hunter and RuneScape were the main ones. But I'll probably work on platinum, platinuming this week. And then I got a new game. Yes, you did. So, friends of the show, Chronolink91 and Zach Archer, uh, they record the Tarkaron show. And every couple of months in the Discord that Zach kind of manages, the RNG Discord, they do the Gentleman's Challenge. And there's two potential results from taking part in this challenge. You're either considered a gentleman or a supreme gen or a rascal. And you kind of select a number of games in your backlog and Zach randomly partners you with another person and then you are tasked with playing the two games that that person chooses for you. Well, previously there were really no restrictions or themes around the challenge. It was kind of just like any games you want to select from your backlog, throw them up in the Discord and then once the polls close, Zach will randomly pair you with someone and then you play those games. Could be anything from journey or flower to something that's a more media experience like the witcher 3 well this time it's kind of called the true gentleman's challenge where each game you had to select or each game you selected had to be more than 20 plus hours to beat based on how long to beat.com and so i kind of selected 10 games at the um i guess it kind of the 11th hour because i wasn't really planning on participating just because more so just life stuff that's going on and i kind of just lost sight of the challenge uh but the 10 games i selected were final fantasy 9 on ps4 final fantasy 12 the zodiac age kingdoms of amalur re-reckoning near replicant dark cloud 2 the ps2 classic but i'd probably play on ps5 if i was challenged to play this game 
ease memories of Celseta, Greedfall, Mad Max, Vampire or Vampire, and Shenmue 1 HD also on PS4. And Ryan, let's go to the games that he yeah, selected. Yeah, I, I think he posted what on the 26th or mid this week. And I saw it come up in the Discord. Um, and then life happened. Mm-hmm. And then you reminded me that, oh shit, like an hour before it closed, <laughs> put a list together. Yeah, um, so but- you selected Sackboy on PS5, Big Adventure, right? Yes. You selected Ukulele, Doom 2016, Resident Evil 4. The original Final Fantasy VII, Infamous Second Son, Nexamon Extinction, Bioshock 1 and 2, to kind of get you over that 20-hour hump, yep. Devil May Cry 5, Hollow Knight, Tales of Vesperia, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Bug Snacks, everyone's talking about them, yes. Persona 5, Near Automata, and Death Stranding. Yeah, so this list, like I was going through most of my physical copy games, and I didn't want to buy a ton of games to like put on a list, but these are kind of the ones that... I don't really have a push to play them, and they might not be 20 hours. I mean, I I can... Fuck, I put 500 hours into this new RuneScape character. I can find ways to pad time. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was more games that I would enjoy if I had the push. Yeah. um, Opposed to 20 hours. But I have got fucking well over 20 hours with the ones that were picked. So what games were selected, Ryan? Uh, Persona 5, Royal or Regular, doesn't fucking matter. And then uh, Devil May Cry 5. I don't really know much about the Persona series in general, but as it relates to 5, I've heard Royal has some quality of life improvements, so I would I would suggest you play that. Yeah, if I was looking it up, I actually watched a video on it this morning, the difference between Royal and Regular, because I was like, they have to be the same thing. But it, basically, Royal is, yeah, some quality of life, and I think after you finish the the main story in persona 5 there's like an extra i think it was like semester or something i don't mm. know there's extra more or less dlc after the end game okay so my goal is to beat the main story and you're saying it's like 120 hours i don't really know it's a jrpg so if if that puts it into perspective it's a long ass game i mean i'm i'm pretty sure people could spend anywhere from 60 to like 140 hours playing this game <clears throat> Yeah, I was going to put The Witcher 3 on my list, um, but I wasn't, I I really wasn't in the mood for that, and then Red Dead Redemption, it's just a really slow burn, it's a beautiful world, I I got hyped after coming off our Alaskan cruise, where I'm like, the world's beautiful, this world's beautiful, I should play this world, but it's just a slow burn, Mm -hmm. Um, and my coworker was saying it doesn't really pick up from what he's heard. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Persona 5, I don't really know much about it. I know the graphical style is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but holy crap. I, I think it's like, I actually have no really no idea. I think you're a student and then like, is this the one where you have to like shoot yourself in the head to go into a demon realm to like fight monsters? That might be all Persona games. I thought that was Persona 3, but again, I... I know nothing. I have very little exposure. I think I played Persona 2 Innocent Sin for like 10, 15 hours on PSP, and it was a chore for me to play. I, I just really don't think those games are for me. I know a lot of people continue to encourage me to play Persona 4 Golden on the Vita because a lot of people that were never really into Persona, that was the game that finally sucked them in. 
So maybe at, at some point I'll play that, but oh gosh, those games are just such a time sink. And with something that long, especially nowadays, I'm super particular about the RPGs that I play. Yeah. And the crazy thing is I could play 10 stupid platformers that are each five hours a piece that if you add all those together, it ends up being one of these more meaty adventures, but I still prefer to play those stupid platformers that I always yeah. play. So no, I, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, I, I just was going through all of my games that I've downloaded throughout the PSN mm-hmm. like months and I've heard good things, but it's just, holy shit. Like my person had it out for me. They did. Um, so Mr. I went, Kingdom Hearts boy. Yes. What a jerk. Um, no, I, I picked Bloodborne for him. One of the best games, or like my top five of all time. It's life changing. That's so good. Whether he plays the DLC or not, I think some the best bosses are in the DLC mm-hmm. with Lady Maria, Ludwig, and um, Orphan of Koss. Mm. All amazing fights. Probably the hardest in the game as well. Dude, Lady Maria can get can get bent yeah it, dude. it's an amazing fight i think the hunter on hunter fights are the best in the game mm-hmm. but yeah ludwig's amazing as well um i still have to platinum that game you're but, close yeah one more but um yeah that and dark cloud i think the first one mm-hmm. was what i picked great game so I will be starting that this week. We have like two months or... Yeah, July 31st. Are there 31 days in July? I think there are. Sure. Yeah. And then the nice thing about that is because I can AFK RuneScape, I can just... Like yesterday when I was doing all the treasures and uh, trophy hunting, I was RuneScaping as well. I believe it. Yes. I believe Gotta it. Gotta get those gains, bruh. <laughs> bruh. Yeah. So, Yeah. Nice. Well, I was challenged to play Shenmue 1 HD and Dark Cloud 2. So Shenmue originally came out on what system? The Sega Dreamcast. Okay, so it's jank as hell? No, it was in- incredibly um, ahead of its time. Really? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the Dreamcast console in and of itself was way ahead of its time with those... I, I don't... I mean, it came out, like, I think 1999, maybe? But at that point... Sega and, and their console offerings were just not catching on with people. Yeah, I mean, probably starting with the Saturn. I, I don't I know if say. you watched that video I posted. I didn't know. Oh, it's worth watching. It's interesting to see all the other little players at the very beginning, like back in the seventies, and like how, like some of those original systems were ninety nine dollars, mm-hmm. but with like the cost of money today, that ninety nine dollars was like eight hundred in two thousand nineteen money. Interesting. So when Scoops people were bitching out. about the uh, the PS3 being like six hundred, some of those older older systems were actually some got to a thousand bucks for the system when adjusted for inflation. Yeah, um, but I think Midway and or last generation and this generation, they're saying the new trend is to take a loss just to get people in there to uh, play the games or pay for the games because hmm. there's a bigger margin. Interesting. Yeah, I'll check out that video for sure. Uh, but as it relates to Shenmue, I think I'll probably be successful at this one. I think it it's just shy of 20 hours to complete this, if I'm not mistaken. And it's kind of one of those cult classics. Like, if you look at a list of games of, at least for me, games I want to play before I die. Just bucket list things that I know there's a tremendous fan base behind the, se- the series, really, at this point. And then for them to get the Kickstarter and funding to make Shenmue 3, I don't know if you remember that, but um, 
the name of the, the creator of Shenmue's Escaping Me, Johnny Millennium, says it, I think, almost every episode of his Happy Console Gamer show. But anyways, I remember, I think it was at E3 when Shenmue 3 was revealed, but they were like, we basically need help from the fan base to fund this game. And then overnight, it made like $1.5 million or something stupid <laughs> like that. It's usually how it goes. And then it took a long time for the game to come out, but then they released Shenmue 3 a couple years ago, I think. Um, but anyway, Shenmue, uh, having little... Zero experience playing it, little exposure to what the game actually is. I guess as a newcomer to it, I would describe it as Grand Theft Auto before Grand Theft Auto 3 was a thing. Okay. Because Grand Theft Auto 3, in terms of its 3D environments, was revolutionary at the time when it released on PlayStation 2. But a lot of people that play the Dreamcast were saying, you know, Shenmue did this a few years prior. I think two years prior because Grand Theft Auto 3 came out, what, 2001 or something like that? And I think Shenmue came out and 2000 i can't remember but yeah so i'm looking forward to seeing if this game lives up to the hype surrounding it i'm someone who can very easily kind of take off my ps5 current generation graphics hat appreciate the game for what it is knowing that it's kind of a product of its time and look past some of those more maybe primitive game game design yeah so Shenmue 1, I'll probably have more impressions next week i really don't know if it's something that it's just going to completely click with me and i'll play play it to completion this week i don't know but uh i think if i was a betting man you would not be beating persona 5 this week. yeah i was gonna say <laughs> I, I don't know if i could make that statement of yeah i'll just knock out persona 5 this week i mean i feel like there's some people i don't remember when persona 5 came out but i, I think i know blessing at a jr who's one of the co-hosts of kind of funny yeah i feel like he was playing persona 5 like for the entirety of last year and he still like didn't beat it until maybe early this year i don't remember yeah i mean yeah it's a tough game i think to play to completion over two months especially when you consider ratchet and clank you know into the not into the nexus that's but the one thing i didn't think about a rift apart is coming out in june we were talking off line and persona 5's you were making the point that it'll either be i really like it and i'm just all in or i hate it yeah. i don't think there's a middle ground um, really, with most JRPGs, it's it, this is you're either gung ho or it sucks. And there's like a different scale for JRPGs too. You know when the cutoff should be. You know there's some JRPGs where it's like play hours play it for so. three hours and you'll and, and you'll see if it's for you or not. Or like Final Fantasy 13 for a lot of people, it was get to chapter 11, play it for 20 hours, and then see when you know when you get to Grand Pulse and things open up a bit. See if yeah, it's that for was you. the point you tried to make. And like I stopped after maybe six or seven because it just wasn't clicking and you're like oh dude just 15 more hours to get to fun no i I, like "Uh." the entirety of that game is fun for me if if the paradigm system doesn't work for you then it's just the game's not going to work for you but yeah for something like persona 5 i don't know where the cutoff is i don't know if it's five hours for me i'd probably give persona 5 about five hours and if it's a chore after five i'm probably just going to table it because i'm not i'm at a point i kind of already got made the point earlier but i'm at a stage in my life where I'm not playing a game for 10 hours to figure out if it's for me or not. Yeah. I'll play it for a couple, and if I'm not enjoying it, I'm moving on to something else. Yeah. Especially with, like, Monster Hunter in the background and then RuneScape as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck, dude. I made mistakes. You did this to you. I'm just questioning life now. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was... I, I don't even think it's going to be worth it to buy Royal. I'll probably just go with the base game. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, like, the combat's the reason that... I mean, people like listeners. 
If you've beaten Persona 5 or have played it, let us know the cut. Let me know the cutoff because I want to know where I should make my decision. Yeah, because maybe you play for five, but it's like, oh, Ryan, but if you got to that seven-hour mark, there's a story beat that happens or the gameplay yeah, system Yeah, they talk about up. math in their class instead of English. I, I think the class stuff's going to be a pain. Like, unless – if the characters are really well written – I'll be fine with it because, like, one of the trailers I was watching, it was like, go play pool in the pool yard or the pool house. There's like a what, what do you call that? Like pool a, hall, a billiards room or something. A pool hall, I think. Yeah. Um, or go play darts and it'll level up your skills of your personas. I don't know. I was just like, I you sound, the Pokemon you, grind is a fun grind because you can run around the grass and level up your dudes. But if I have to like play pool you say that though as if it's so out of the realm of ryan's wheelhouse but you play 500 hours getting fucking capes and runescape for gardening or watering your plants or whatever you do in that stupid game you're not wrong so like yeah, yeah. i mean i did cook like fifty thousand sharks yeah in the same like repetition so persona is just something new and i think that's if anything it'll challenge you know you to kind of get out of your comfort zone a bit yeah from because you've been playing runescape and monster hunter for like two or three months straight now so playing something like persona will kind of just break down those walls a bit yeah if anything i'll probably beat devil may cry and that's Um, fine but and i'll just be a rascal i i mean i understand there's rules to the gentleman's challenge but for me again if the the first game isn't clicking for me and i beat the second game i'm a gentleman i'm a gentleman in my heart you know yeah that's all that matters so uh, well, good stuff. I think we both have uh, some interesting games to play, and it'll definitely make for some fun discussion on next week's episode, I think. Yeah. But for me this week, the games that I've been playing uh, that have not yet been Shenmue, like you kind of said, I did make some pl- uh, some progress in the Kingdom Hearts 3 Platinum. I probably got maybe four more trophies this week. I got the, the trophy when you have to do the rhythm game uh, dance in yeah. the Tangled World. Which How hard was that? I mean... It was like 70,000 points. Yeah. Because I haven't played a rhythm game, I don't play rhythm games very frequently other than more recently playing Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory. Um, It was pretty tough for me. Yeah. I think for you, I think you're going to be fine. I mean, it took me a couple days to get it. Like I would, I would do like five or six attempts and not get it. And I would just be pissed off and I'd be like, screw this. I'm going to go do something else. And then a couple nights later, I tried it again, and it was one of those things that you take a break for something long enough, and you come back, and you knock it out of the park. Yeah, I'll probably do that last. Um, that and the other point one. Mm-hmm. There was one who was like... That one is so brutal. Which one? When you're in like the, the mech suit, and you have to get like 12 million points or whatever. Yeah. There's also one defeat the like Schlagenhoft or whatever it is. Yeah, that's a gummy what ship thing. Oh, is it? And fun? so I thought I beat everything. Well, for the gummy ship thing, I... Like level 70. I unlocked a lot of blueprints uh, based on taking all those constellation photos. Mm -hmm. But that's not... That's just step one in the process of actually... Is that the golden one? Is the Schlagenhoft? I think so. But... So I took all these constellation photos and I unlocked all these blueprints for these gummy ships, which we all know Rusty hates the gummy ship stuff. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, well, if I unlock the blueprints, I should be able to just play that... Use that ship... Because they suggest, I was watching a video, in order to defeat this gummy ship boss, you should probably use a really, really good gummy ship. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, well, no big deal. I took the constellation photos. I unlocked this ship. No, now I have to farm the gummy pieces to actually build the ship. And it's like, 
dude. <laughs> this is everything you hate. <laughs> it's it's really getting to a point where I, I I'm gonna get the platinum eventually, but I'm not not at the mercy of or not at the um, expense of me liking Kingdom Hearts three at the end of it. Okay, that's so fair. so we'll see if I end up going through with it again. It's the gummy ship stuff that just royally pisses me off. I don't okay. like it. I know they streamlined it for three, and it's more fun. And it so, feels... did you not make your own ship? No, never. What level are you for gummy ships? I think I'm like forty, but I had like one of the base ones. I, I just want to get to the next planet. I do not care about anything in between. Cool. Yeah. Enjoy the game at its fullest. Yeah, I just <laughs> I'll give shits about the space stuff. <laughs> I have never liked the gummy ship thing, and Kingdom Hearts One's my favorite game of all time. And the I the gummy ships in one suck. I still hate it. Honestly, I like the gummy ship in one more because it's it's so primitive, it's so bare bones. But this one, it the building is way easier. Like I decked out my ship. I'm like level seventy seven. I've got stars underneath my like little title. This is why I never played Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts because it just brought back PTSD from Kingdom Hearts gummy ship stuff. Yeah. I mean, gummy ships are basically going to Iraq and fighting in war. <laughs> it's, it's a rough time. <laughs> I, I don't like the gummy ship stuff. It's just, yeah. So we'll, we'll see if I end up getting the platinum Kingdom Hearts three. It's not. And one of the other things too, I was at my dad's, I didn't have my PC, so I didn't have my space station of monitors to be able to have a whole bunch of guides up and everything. Yeah. Um, and so I wasn't going to look up guides on my phone to try and figure out what to do. So I just kind of tabled that. And I, I picked up Avengers again. Nice. Marvel's Avengers. And I ended up finishing the game. Congratulations. Dude, I loved it. It was so much better than people seem to give it credit for. I know the it's kind of a polarizing fan base of opinions. I feel like critically it was received uh, okay, you know. And I feel like a lot of people that picked it up uh, kind of thought it was just okay. Yeah. And I think a lot of the complaint came from the online stuff being... It was really glitchy at launch. Mm. Um, so they had a pretty decent user base towards the start. And then after like the first month, it just fell off. Yeah. And then creating lobbies and finding people became a problem because there was like a thousand people online on Steam. Mm. Um, so it's it's really hard to create a lobby with no user base. So that's also became the problem. That makes but, sense. And yeah. for me, I don't think I'm going to do any of the post-endgame stuff unless you end up getting the game. Because I, it really is more conducive to playing with a friend than it is playing alone. Mm -hmm. But for me, just playing through the story without going out of my way to do a bunch of side missions. I think the story starts really strong. It ends really strong. There's a lot of fun moments in between. and, and it, I mean, all in all, it's a fun kind of comic book Marvel superhero story. You know, yeah. it doesn't in any way come close to rivaling any of the, the better Marvel films, but it's your standard story. I think that the all-star voice cast is definitely there, although there were at times it felt like I was playing an Uncharted game because Nolan North, who, of course, voices Nathan Drake yeah. in the Uncharted games, plays Iron Man. Oh. And then you have Troy Baker, who voices Bruce Banner. And so when you were at like the Marvel headquarters you know, figuring out when to go to your next mission, it felt like I was playing an Uncharted game because whenever I hear Nolan North, I've, I've played the Uncharted games a dozen times. Yeah. It's impossible for me to not hear Nathan Drake. Um, but, I mean, I think it, that's a compliment to the game because it's a, it's a compliment to the writing. Like, I felt like the back and forth between Bruce and Iron Man was great. Um, I loved how over the course of the game they trickle out different characters. Yeah. I feel like 
the Hulk is probably one of the the less interesting characters to play as. Because you hate Troy Baker. Exactly. Uh, pretentious a-hole. No, I'm kidding. It, yeah. The Hulk is, well. <laughs> You're not wrong. I'm not wrong. But um, the Hulk was exactly as you would expect him to play. He just Hulk smash. smash. He just smashes yeah. stuff. Um, but He's then, a really 3D yeah, not a very. Th- he's a pretty one-dimensional character. But then you get to play as Iron Man. Three D character. Is that a thing? We. I was thinking two-dimensional, but I don't know. I'm, go ahead. Well, they, they, you talk about that in storytelling, where yeah, someone's yeah, yeah. a one-beat character. I went too many Ds, and now <laughs> it should be one D. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, uh, but yeah, when Iron Man was introduced, I felt like. It felt like I was playing as Iron Man. Like it was, ex- he controlled exactly as I wanted him to, and it was so satisfying to play as him. And then you get to play as Black Widow, and then you get to play as Thor, and then you get to play as Miss Marvel. And I felt like over the course of the game, they trickle out these characters, and you you spend just enough time with them. Of course, you can play as many missions as you want with them. Yeah. But if you're just doing the bare bones campaign missions. I felt like the, the the pacing of the game is really well done. Nice. So you sent over a picture of like the Iron Man suits, mm-hmm. and they have like a currency. How long would it take to grind out more suits? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, just one more suit, then. I don't know the answer to that either, because really? and I think that's where my complaints come in to to play because I feel like the menu system in this game is just an absolute nightmare. Yeah. equipping armor and stuff, navigating menus. It's not intuitive at all. Even when you start the game, there's like seven different pop-up menus of like, hey, FYI, Square Enix promo codes. FYI, mm. if you sign in now, you, you know, if you know, buy now and you'll get two for one special on Iron Man undies. It's like, there's just so much stuff that is populated on the screen. It's like, I just want to get to the game. I yeah. just want to play the campaign missions. That's it. So they're... Is monetization in the game? I think so, but I don't know if if real world currency comes into play. Like okay. I don't know how that works because I really just went out of my way to play the main campaign, and that was it. Because for that type of stuff, I think Spider Man did it well with the suits. Hundred percent. It wasn't like you had to grind a shit ton of things. Because I mean, on that screen there was like twenty different Iron Man suits. Mm-hmm. But if you think of that times all the characters. You're grinding for hours just to look a little different on online. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, but for Spider-Man, it's like get a few backpacks or like punch a few bad guys and you get the point, especially in Miles Morales. It was self-explanatory. Yeah. I didn't feel like I ever had to look up a guide on YouTube. How do I unlock the next Spidey suit? It or was like, like best grind area. It's like, yeah. yeah. Well, even in the menu system for me, it felt... Yeah. <sighs> I keep using the word intuitive, but that's the best word I can I can come up with is it just felt so natural. Yeah. Unlocking everything. And Avengers, I think, really complicates it. And it's to its detriment because I do not want to go out of my way to collect those suits. But I also feel like I got my money's worth playing the campaign. And if you end up picking it up, going back in, there is some free DLC with Hawkeye, among other characters, that I want to go back and, and experience. Yeah. You know? And I think that's that's telling because with the Marvel fatigue that I've had for seemingly two years now since Endgame released, um, this was kind of that first getting my feet wet again and, and getting hungry for MCU content. So speaking of Marvel, what what were your thoughts on Eternals, the trailer? 
I don't know if you saw it. I did. Yeah, I think the concept of it is what's far more fascinating to me than the actual trailer itself. Okay. Like the concept of there's this group of people that, and it makes me think in a broader sense too of like, we've allowed humanity to exist and live on this planet for years. We've never intervened, but now something has happened. We don't know what it is yet. Fucking Thanos comes and destroys everything and that's not reason enough for them to come down. Now something else has happened and they're like, we got to intervene. But it makes me think in a broader sense. And now I'm getting into like conspiracy theory territory of even like ancient Egypt and the construction of the pyramids. Aliens, for sure. Like, how the heck, with the tools that they had back then, would they be able to construct things like that? Uh, you you shove enough labor and human lives at something, and you're able to create it. I mean, like, the Great Wall of China, thousands, like, millions of people, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, what was it Siberia? The gulags? You just go up, and there's, like, a row of skulls, or it's, like, the road of skulls or something. But... Yeah, those stones are huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Pulley systems. I, dude, it has to be. An, what is going on with? It has to be aliens. There's there's no other explanation. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so to answer your question, I think the Eternals looks interesting. I shouldn't feel this way, but this is how I feel and I'm just going to own it. Whenever Angelina Jolie is in a movie nowadays, I kind of just cringe a little bit. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah. Like, after the Brad Pitt situation, she kind of just got a little strange. Like, I feel like she She, is... I mean, wasn't she wearing the blood of her husband? That was with Billy Bob Thornton. But she kind of just strikes me as, like, Maleficent when she's not on screen. Like, I feel like that's who... she seems like she'd be nuts. I feel like that's who she is, like, in real life. Like, she kind of just retreats to a cave and just, like, hisses when anyone comes near her. (laughs) Yeah, slowly turns into a dragon. Yeah, I mean, she's just... No, I, I have... Yeah. I, I think the same thing. Like it, there was no one in that cast. I don't think, and I could be wrong. And please, you know, correct uh, John me. John Snow's in the cast. Yeah, Kid Harrington was there, um, but there was no one. Like, oh fuck, Idris Elba's in there. Let's go. Like, there was no one where I was like, oh, this really gets me excited. Not that you need a prominent actor or actress to get me excited to go to a Marvel movie, because let's be honest, Chris Hemsworth when he was cast as Thor, and when uh, what's his face was cast as Loki, those guys were pretty underground nobodies. Were they? Yeah, ten years ago. Okay. Yeah, I, I I completely agree about Joe Lee being a dragon and like hissing. Um, as far as the cast, I mean, it's, it'll be interesting to see that Juma, I don't, I can't pronounce it, the Indian guy who the comedian uh, being all ripped. And oh the, yeah. And then the Stark brothers getting back together. Um, I think uh, Jon Snow is actually going to play a big role mm-hmm. from what I was hearing. He's like basically like Camelot kind of guy. He has a sword and he's like invincible if he carries this sword around. I like that. I can get into and that. And like he's in a suit of armor, which will be cool. Um, yeah, I, I think the main criticism for it is like where the like you were saying, where have they been? Like mm-hmm. Thanos wiped out half of everyone and they didn't step in. Yeah, like that seems like a big enough threat. Um, you'll have the same issue with like bringing in the X Men. Where were they? Or Fantastic Four kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I think the move to a more galactic scale will be cool yes. coming out of this. Yes. Um, so, like, the Eternals, there's the Celestials, which are, like, the 200-foot dudes 
from like Guardians of the Galaxy, the guy who destroyed the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they made the Eternals by just doing experiments. And then the kind of corrupted version of the Eternals were the uh, Deviants. Mm. But these are basically demigods. And I think the Eternals eventually made like a god killer armor and then took started killing off the Celestials. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. I think this is where they'll probably get into like maybe a Galactic or a Galactus size character, um, which will be interesting. But who knows? I don't know. The plot didn't or the trailer itself didn't really show much. Well, that's. That's what you like. That's what you I, want. I do right? like that. Pretty uh, I, This is the one that I was, like, I cared the most about yeah. in the, like, near future lineup. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. But um, outside of that, that's really all I've been playing this week. Played a lot of Madden. Really kind of just some mindless stuff. My comfort food games to kind of get me through the week. Uh, but yeah, Avengers was a really good time. And I'm, I'm glad I ended up playing it. Playing it to completion because it starts strong gets a little slow with the Bruce Banner Hulk stuff, but then once you're playing as Iron Man, it really picks up and uh, definitely ends with the bang playing as uh, Mr. Captain America. So, nice. And then, of course, the end boss fight. You get to play as each Avenger. You know, It's oh, like, okay, cool. well, Thor, you go do this, and Iron Man, you do that, and Black Widow. Uh, Natasha's a babe in this, too. Is she? She's great. Yeah, she's so good. And she kind of almost controls his um, uh, Italian in Shadow of Mordor. Oh. There's kind of like a counter system, and then using her dual pistols is a really great time as well. That's cool. But, but yeah, check out Avengers. I mean, really, there's so much game in that experience for 20 25 bucks, you know? And if you have a PlayStation 5, I think it's it's really worth playing on that console because the dual sense, man, is uh, there's just a lot going on there. So when you use Lightning as Thor, do you feel it like charging up? In yeah, the dual I, sense? I feel like the majority, like even when you're Iron Man and you're flying with your. Uh, what do you call those? Your suit? Your, well, your suit, but like when the fire is coming out of your feet and everything like that, you like feel you feel of. the sensation of that going through the controller. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And Thor is kind of similar because you get to fly as Thor. Are you playing with your feet over there? Yeah, I'm playing with my... Uh, right. There's a cord. Relax. Uh, but <laughs> you're flying as Thor. You feel the sensation. It's really good stuff. Thanks. So, yeah. Um, I'll have to check it out after Persona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In like a year. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, good stuff, Ryan. Um, Yeah, I'm sure next week I'll have some impressions about Shenmue. You'll have lots of impressions about... All the impressions. Persona 5. Yeah, that'll be good stuff.
Well, Ryan, we mentioned it at the top of the show, but there was a ton of video game announcements this week, lots of video game news, yeah. and it's been a few weeks, couple episodes since we've talked about anything related to video game news. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm loving this influx of, as we move into the summer, getting all this news. Dude, it's the season of surprises. We've got E3 around the corner. I don't even know the schedule. I don't know who's participating this year. I think Xbox and Bethesda have a partnered showcase. I'm sure Nintendo has a couple directs. I think Bandai Namco is actually showing up on like one of the pre-E3. They're not going to be at E3, but they'll be at one of the pre-things with Microsoft. What's up? is coming back, dude. Uh, or FromSoft. We're going to get Elden Ring in like seven years. <laughs> well, yeah, don't, don't count on it, Ryan. But uh, we had a couple things go down this week. There were some celebrations of series and characters, and then we got some release dates, and we didn't get some release dates for certain games, but all fun stuff to discuss. And I think this might have been the first showcase that happened, or maybe it was the Dragon Quest 35th anniversary. Doesn't matter. We're starting with the Sonic 35th anniversary celebrating the Blue Hedgehog's birthday. Ryan, did you watch this showcase? I did not. No, I am not a huge Sonic fan. Um, From everything I've seen of the games, they've just been jank messes. Um, And then I've always sucked at the original ones, so... I, I, the only ones I really saw were Dragon Quest and then the big one, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is Horizon. Yeah, I think for me, I've always appreciated and loved the character design of Sonic far more than Mario. I mean, it's just a generic dude plumber in a, a red hat. Like, there's not a whole lot exciting going on about Mario. I see, I've always been more of a fan of Tails than I have of Sonic. Mm, Tails is cool. Yeah. But you're dissing Mario? I mean, Mario is great, but if you don't have Yoshi there, I don't really know if there's a whole lot of special stuff going on with Mario, you know? Okay. Wow, you heard it here first. <laughs> Mario sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I think just dating back to, you know, the Sega Genesis versus Super Nintendo, I mean, the 16-bit Mario looked great, but I mean, Sonic the Hedgehog was just such a cool character. Did you ever play the originals? I think the only times I've really played the original Sonics, or Sonic in general, was at that... Uh, that Barcade. Oh, yeah. Besides that, I haven't really played it. For me, it was always at a neighbor's house, mm-hmm. a friend's house growing up. Very few of my friends had the Genesis, though. Mm-hmm. Most of my friends, at that point, we were playing the N64. Yeah. Because I was born in 93, and granted, that was at the heyday and the peak of Super Nintendo and Genesis kind of going back and forth, but I was far too young. And by the time I started playing video games, I was playing the PS1, the N64, the Game Boy Color. Okay. So, but getting back to the Sonic 35th anniversary, I'm not going to go down the whole list because as it is with Sonic the Hedgehog these days, there were some very Sonic the Hedgehog Sonic announcements and people are going to probably say, what does that even mean, Rusty? Yes, that's what I was thinking. (laughs) go Go back and watch the stream. I mean, there's some kind of, you know, Olympics game coming out and not mario and sonic at the olympics like a literal olympics video game Mm -hmm. and one of the most meme worthy uh videos played and you can basically play this olympics game with a sonic skin on your character so you play seemingly a random person in a giant sonic the hedgehog outfit while running the 100 meter dash against a bunch of other people It'd be cool if everyone could be in outfits. Like, it's just basically a mask-off, face-off. Well, they have that. It's called Sonic and Mario at the Olympic Games or whatever. Is it really a thing? Yeah, there's a whole series of them. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. 
So yeah, you can pick that up. It's probably pretty. Yeah, Sonic looks super buff in <laughs> yeah. the trailer. It was a little little weird looking. But, yeah. Uh, a little jarring. But yeah, go check out the stream if you want to hear everything. Again, with these these news announcements that Ryan and I are going to go down, We're, in my opinion, we're just kind of doing the greatest hits announcements. And this first one is probably what I'm most excited about because like Ryan was saying, I, I just don't have a lot of affinity for the games because to be perfectly honest, I suck at them. I think if you didn't grow up with the Nintendo or you didn't grow up with the Sega Genesis, then you probably tended to not play those games super well. Like you yeah. weren't good at Mario games if you grew up with Sonic and vice versa. Yeah. I know that's how it is for me. I can only speak party of one here. But the one Sonic the Hedgehog game that I've always had an interest in playing but never got around to was Sonic Colors on the Wii. Really? Is that a 2D one or is it 3D? It's a little bit of both. Okay. Yeah, and I think that's kind of why it interested me. And as the name would imply, just super colorful, very vibrant. It almost looked uh, trippy. And okay. it, yeah, it's just really, really cool looking. So anyways, I'm taking this from GameInformer.com, their article detailing this game's release, Sonic Colors Ultimate, a favorite in the series from fans and a game that the writer, I think it was Brian Shea, had been wanting to play since it released. Actually, no, those are Rusty Lewis's words, not Brian Shea. My bad. <laughs> Here's a bit from Game Informer. This remaster of the 2010 Wii game delivers the same thrills as the original did 11 years ago, but as with all remasters, you can expect some enhancements. The visuals have been upscaled, the controls and core gameplay have been refined, and players can even tackle an all-new game mode. In the brand new Rival Rush mode, Sonic goes head-to-head -head with none other than Metal Sonic Ryan. If you can outrun oh, your robotic shit. rival, you earn, you guessed it, rewards. Ooh. For those who have never experienced Sonic Colors, Dr. Eggman has built a giant interstellar amusement park that he is powering with captured members of an alien race called the Wisps. Sonic <laughs> learns of, his, of this and decides to bust them out of their captivity, but the aid is hardly one-way traffic. The Wisps are able to give Sonic new powers. With the help of the Wisps and Ori, not really, Sonic speeds through six unique worlds on his way to stopping Eggman and freeing the colorful aliens. This is the news that people wanted to hear. Sonic Colors Ultimate launches on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC on September 7th. And here's the real kicker. The standard retail physical pre-order is only $40 and includes an exclusive, really bizarre looking baby Sonic keychain. <laughs> Did you pre-order your copyright? Oh, dude, three of them. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Actually, when he said Wisps, then I started thinking Ori. Mm -hmm. Then I was thinking how much of an idiot I didn't put the Ori games on. Oh, dude. If I would have put one and two as like a bundle. <sighs> dude, this day is just not a good day. <laughs> Are you going to at least get Chinese food today? Uh, No, because it opens at four because it's Sunday. Oh, we can keep podcasting for three more hours. Nola's going to love that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, well, cool. Well, so no, I, I, I didn't pre-order. Did you pre-order colors? I did, yeah. Did you? I, and I have the Wii copy. I can't remember if I got that from a Tarkaron gift exchange or if that was something I ordered on eBay. I can't remember, but my, my copy is still unplayed. It's over there behind you. Uh, but yeah, I've never played Sonic Colors. It's the first game in the series that has really kind of got me interested in playing a sonic game just because the sense of speed is just not something i'm used to but i will say after watching this this stream and seeing all the sonic fans get super excited about this these next couple of announcements that we'll talk about too 
it really got me wanting to play a Sonic game. And I, so I think tonight I'm either going to start Shenmue or I'm going to play whatever Sonic game was free on PlayStation Plus a couple months ago. I think Sonic Forces. Yeah, I think it was. I know it's not like a fan favorite, but I mean, better start at the bottom at this point and work yeah. my way up to the top and play stuff like Adventure and um, I guess the first three games. And Is there a consensus on the best Sonic game? I think Sonic 2 is typically looked at as the favorite. Okay. Is that a 2D? Yeah, that was on the Genesis. Okay. But then there's also Sonic and Knuckles. I think that people hold in high regard. Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to watch a trailer. Um, But I think there's also kind of a cult following nowadays for Sonic 06 on 360. That was at the time, like the death of Sonic. Like, that's when people really just wrote off the series. And then you had, like, just a whole litany of horrible Sonic releases after that, like Sonic and the Secret Rings, Sonic and the Black Knight, Sonic Last Lost World, <laughs> Sonic Boom. Like, Yeah, the only one I really watched was just a janky disaster where, like, Sonic gets crushed, or, like, there's an army of robots, and then there's rocks that fall, and he, like, falls off a cliff and dies. Mm. And then it's, like, Five days later, or five days previous, and then you start your adventure and you just glitch into walls. Hmm. Sounds like a good time. Yeah, it's, yeah, but, yeah, colors, that'll be cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Is there a release date for that one? Yes, September 7th. Okay. So, mark your calendars, friends. We also got, uh, because we don't have enough Sonic uh, collections nowadays, we're getting the Sonic Origins collection, which includes Mm -hmm. the mainline Genesis games, Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Sonic 3, and Knuckles, as well as Sonic CD, which originally appeared on the Sega CD. And according to Sega, Sonic Origins will deliver a nostalgic experience with non-stop Sonic action and quote-unquote fresh content. Outside of that, Sega teases fans that more information will be coming soon. And I don't know if we have a release date for that, Ryan. Okay, is that for what console? Well, I imagine Switch. Just everything. Yeah, you know, PS4, Xbox One. That'd be a cool another collection to have on the Switch, similar to the Mario one. Yeah, well, I think you can also get on the Switch, you you can definitely get it on Xbox One and PS4, is the Sonic and Genesis Ultimate Collection, or whatever they labeled it as for the current gen. Um, there's been, like, a gazillion Sonic collections over the oh, years. okay, so it's nothing special. Yeah, I, I don't think this Origin collection is in any, any way earth-shattering. Um, I heard some rumblings on Twitter that it's a big deal that Sonic 3 and Knuckles is on this collection. Yeah, I know all the backstories for all those games. <laughs> so uh, let us know in the Discord if I you're mean, not there already. What they should really do is like only have it produced for six months and then just wipe it from every store. That's the way to do it. Yeah, because everyone loves that. That's how you please the fans. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And then uh, they ended the show with a very small teaser trailer for the next mainline Sonic game coming in 2022. Okay. Yeah, is there any hype for that? I think so. There was speculation, and I kind of almost thought that it was going to be a remake of Sonic 06. That's kind of what it seemed like it was going to be. I didn't, to be honest, I didn't know they were still making Sonic games. Like, I thought it was like a dead franchise. Dude, it, Sonic at this point is like Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed. There's like they one just of them. pump one out every year pretty and much. call it a day. Yeah. There's so many Sonic the Hedgehog games. Okay. Yeah. Now, how many of those are actually good? Probably few, f- extru- like far less than the Mario franchise. They're few and far between, I think. 
But if okay. there's some extreme Sonic the Hedgehog fans out there, get in the Discord. I really do want to know what the better Sonic games are. I was actually looking on on eBay because I was fearful that with all the hype surrounding the 35th anniversary that there a lot of the games in the series might skyrocket in price. Yeah. And I've always been curious about the Wii Sonic games, particularly Sonic and the Black Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, and that game is like $7 shipped on eBay. So it's really spiking from yeah, its $2. Definitely. Um, so I don't know. I might pick up a few Sonic games and just kind of experiment with the series because, again, I'm I'm a complete noob to the series. Yeah. I haven't really played many of the Sonic games before. So I'm curious kind of what the greatest hits of Sonic games are. So get in the Discord. Let me know what games in the series do I need to keep an eye out for. I would love to hear from you. But, uh, Ryan, any other thoughts about the Sonic news? No, I'd, I'd equally like to know. Um, if I were to play a Sonic game, which one should it be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, dip my toe into that pool. Yeah, definitely. Well, we the next kind of showcase and celebration was something that I was very excited to watch and tune into. Although it was uh, streaming at 11.30 at night, I think Wednesday. <laughs> so it made for a very late evening and rough Thursday morning. But there was a celebration for Dragon Quest. Yes, there was. It was also celebrating its 35th anniversary. And I think the main two takeaways, the first of which I know you're super pumped about. I am so pumped for this. Dragon Quest 3, an HD 2D remake. So think Octopath, Octopath Traveler, yes. but with a vibrant, colorful graphic style. Yes, it's going to be great. And we don't have a release date for this one yet, but we do know that it's going to receive a worldwide release and come to consoles here in the West. Yeah, I'm, dude, Octopath. And the more that they can pump out with this similar design, the better. Well, I love that Octopath has kind of created its own genre. It really has. Yeah. Yeah, And then they have that like triangle strategy (laughs) or whatever the fuck. Yeah. That I don't know if that's still a thing or has a better name. I think it is. It's basically uh, a tactics Octopath game, right? Which is also awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dragon Quest with the same style. I, is this the one? Because I've seen that character through the uh, Smash Bros. Mm. Um, is he a sailor? I don't know if you've played the original three. I haven't. I have I have the first four Famicom games in the box because I had a friend of mine that traveled to Japan in college. And I sent him on a mission. I said, I need you to get me the three original Pokemon Game Boy Color games. Red, green, and uh, what's the other one? Blue. Blue, thank you. And then I also said, can you please get me the first four Dragon Quest games on Famicom in the box? And he got them all. And gosh, we love Akira Toriyama. We talk about him pretty often here on Otaka Brothers. But the character designs on those four boxes are just terrific. And Dragon Quest III, I've heard, is I think when the series kind of started to take off, find its footing a bit in its fan base. And... Is it because of the third one, or it's that's when it's gained? It, is it a testament to how good three was that it took off after that, or is it just they gained more people? I think it's a little bit of both. I think okay. the series probably just started to get a little bit more momentum behind it because it's like, okay, there's been three of these games already. Yeah, let's check it out. Uh, but I've also heard three is is <clears throat> out of that. I guess original four games on the Famicom. Supposed to be one of the better ones. Okay, I could be wrong with that because um, eleven dragged. Well, and that's what I want to get to here with this next announcement. But yes, super pumped to play Dragon Quest Three, the HD two-day remake, because I've been thinking about um, on Play Asia. I think you can order on the Switch a collection of the first three 
Dragon Quest games, okay. but they are their original Nintendo Entertainment System Famicom graphics, obviously. Mm-hmm. They haven't been remastered or certainly remade like this before. So I'm really excited. This will probably be my first experience playing Dragon Quest III, yeah. and I couldn't be happier to play it in this HD 2D, 2D, 2D it's hard to say, remake fashion. It looks so beautiful. Hopefully this gets you in the mood to play Octopath. Yeah. Because you need to experience that. Like it, That's probably my favorite game music of all time. Wow. Is Octopath. High praise. Like, I don't know if there's one song on that entire album or soundtrack, soundtrack um, that doesn't hit. Mm. Because it takes you directly back to that specific area. Mm. It, it's great. So I'm hoping the music in this one is also equally as good. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to playing certainly Octopath, but definitely this. And then uh, you want to stop moving your feet over there? I'm sorry, dude. You're I'm like fidgety. freaking out over there. <laughs> yeah. Um, the final announcement, they capped off the entire presentation with Dragon Quest Twelve. So this is the next mainline RPG in, of course, this long-running series that 35 years. It's just crazy. Yeah. Um, but it shows off as this article continues to detail, a much darker tone for the beloved RPG series. Dragon Quest XII, The Flames of the Fate, is the first main entry into the Dragon Quest franchise since 2017, which... It doesn't seem like it was that long. Four years ago? Yeah. I was joking in the Discord that it felt like eight months ago Dragon Quest XI came out. Yeah. No kidding. Well, I mean, we lost a year, and then like two years before that... Yeah, it doesn't feel like that long ago. It doesn't. I mean, but it took Lorne like a year and a half to play through it. Yeah, so. it's a long game. Uh, but the upcoming title will house a ton of player agency rooted in choices made throughout this adventure that will branch out for the usual mode of storytelling that these games are known for. Mm-hmm. Yuji Hori, the creator of Dragon Quest, confirmed that the team is not getting rid of commands, but that's about the extent of this reveal outside of a logo. The showcase did, however, frame the experience as a Dragon Quest, quote, for adults. Never mind mm. that Yakuza Like a Dragon is pretty much exactly that, but we'll take any creative leaps that the team wants to make. Now, Ryan, I know you don't have a lot of experience playing Dragon Quest games. You've only played, I think, 11. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts about the series kind of going in a somewhat new direction? Um, I like the darker tone. I like that for Final Fantasy 16, it looks like it's going to be very dark mm. compared to the early and earlier installments i mean like in the trailer the dude just got ripped apart or whatever but yeah i think it'll be interesting 11 really didn't hit home and it was it was more lighthearted. um definitely the second half of that game was darker um the environment but kind of the tone i don't know it'll be interesting I'll, i'll probably pick it up as well um I don't know. I hope the main character hits home where Eleven didn't. Eleven, you couldn't relate to. I think his name was Hero. Mm -hmm. Is that all of the main characters are just called Hero? They're typically silent protagonists, yeah. Oh. I don't know if I'm a fan of the silent protagonist. I mean, Link's a silent protagonist. I hate Link, though. (laughs) (laughs) The only good one is... No, he he makes noises. Yup! Or like, yep! That's about it? Yeah. But yeah. you you get a lot of like what he's trying to say through those yips. <laughs> You're like, oh, dude, I know. Last week was rough. Me too. Yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Hopefully, I I'm hopeful. Yeah. That's the best I can do. 
Well, Dragon Quest for me, I've talked about it on this podcast umpteen times already, but when I was in college, each each year in college, I played a different Dragon Quest game on the DS because it was so easy to play portable RPGs because mm-hmm. between classes or just at night, I'd be sitting in my bunk, just pumping hours, grinding it out in Dragon Quest, you know, four or five, six or nine. I, I played them all in college on the DS. But I also think Dragon Quest is one of those comfort food series for people because it rel- it, it rarely mixes up the formula much at all. Yeah, They look better from game to game, but... Beyond that, you know you're going to have a new party of characters. You know you're going to see your slimes. You know you're going to have your turn-based combat. You know, wasn't it? Ru- or didn't they mention that they're changing up the turn-based combat though? Well, that's kind of what the point I'm getting to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, you know, with Dragon Quest games, Akira Toriyama does the character art. It's pretty much the same game from yeah. the first Dragon Quest game to Eleven. They've really not changed the the formula up much. And I think that's why I'm so excited for them to finally change it up in 12 because it's like, that's why, it's kind of why I didn't get through much of 11 because it's like, ah. This could also be a sun and moon situation where it just, they change it up and it sucks. Yeah, I could see that too, but I don't know. You look at something like Final Fantasy and I like how they, they take risks with the series and knowing full well that something like 13 and 15 isn't going to land with a large majority of the audience. Majority is probably taking a leap, but I think problem also is the wrong word too. But people that grew up playing Final Fantasy, I do wonder how much of an influence nostalgia plays in not liking stuff like 13, 15, even 12 and 10 for that matter, because it changes up that the nine, it changes up the formula of the nine games that came before those games if that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas Dragon Quest, it's kind of been the same for the past 35 years. And so, yeah, there is definitely the risk now that they're taking things in a darker direction. Combat might be different than just the traditional turn-based systems that we've had in previous games. But I think it's about damn time that we change up the gameplay formula of Dragon Quest. Mm, Okay. So if it were to change, because I think, Final Fantasy VII original was turn-based. Oh, I would love it if it played and then like they remake. made it the remake for Final Fantasy VII was more, like, less turn-based. Mm-hmm. If they were to change Dragon Quest to Final Fantasy VII remake yes. style, you'd love it. Yes. Okay. But with that, you have to strike a nice balance between Final Fantasy VII remake, kind of Crisis Core on PSP, but also the Musou games. Dragon Quest Heroes, where it's just waves of enemies and it just feels like you're mashing the X button. Yeah. So they need to find a balance between it feeling there is strategy involved. Mm -hmm. Like you have to be mindful of using magic and potions and things like that. And if they can find that balance with Dragon Quest Yeah. I think that'd be a lot more fun than just another 80 hours of finding three orbs on three different sides of the planet, eventually getting (laughs) an airship. Like... Yeah. Really change it up a bit. I mean, I love Dragon Quest for staying so close to its roots, but at the same time, it's like you have 11 games that you can go back to at this point. Like, let's take things into into a new direction with 12, even if it doesn't work for everyone. Well, you iterate. And then with Dragon Quest 13, you can find what worked well for 12 and then build upon that with future games in the series. Okay. So... I'm guessing Nino Kuni 2 style would be too far in the other direction. But that was purely action based, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to that, you know, yeah. because I loved Nino Kuni two more too. more than I like Nino Kuni one. But yeah, I think finding a nice blend between the Final Fantasy VII remake combat, the Tales of series that is very action based, um, maybe even Kingdom Hearts a little bit, you know. Okay. Yeah, I, I think taking it into more of an an action based RPG uh, would be refreshing. Okay, for the Dragon Quest series. Yeah, I mean, and then if you don't like that, you always have three remake to uh, satiate. Exactly, that. and I think that's the great thing is that they're not just moving forward with one game in the series. There's a lot of Dragon Quest games in development, and that's what I like about the series too because if you're not into the turn-based combat, you have stuff like Rocket Slime on DS. You have the the Monsters Joker games on the DS. There's They've really mixed up the gameplay formula of Dragon Quest a lot, mm-hmm. but it's with the mainline series of games that they've really stayed true to those those earlier games yeah. and their turn-based combat. So I think it's about time that they take a little bit of a leap, take a risk, and uh, see if it see if it hits for people. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, see where it goes. Yeah, so I'm curious where other people are at with Dragon Quest. I know we were talking quite a bit in the Discord about it, and, and some people were upset that certain games weren't announced or we didn't see a lot of Dragon Quest Twelve. but uh, I'm excited for the future of Dragon Quest. There's definitely, uh, I think, something for everyone to get excited about Yeah. as it relates to that series. But last two things we got, Ryan. Um, let's skip Horizon real quick and just go right to Far Cry 6 because there's not much to talk about. Okay. I think it looks great. I think so too. Yeah, I haven't really ever played a Far Cry to completion. I think I played a little bit of four. Um, th- I think that's the one where you're on the island, right? <laughs> you're you're basically on an island in all of these games. But okay, yeah. never mind. You're the the guy with the video camera who's like. That's 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 three. Three. Yeah. Okay, and then four is the one where you're in India. I think where you're so. at the table. Yeah. Um. I played maybe a couple hours of that. So this is this would be my first kind of test or playthrough of a Far Cry game. Um, I don't know how much in the other games you got to customize your weapons with just random shit. Is that a normal thing? So full transparency, I didn't watch the gameplay demo on Friday because, again, work was crazy. Okay. And I didn't go back and watch it because Far Cry 6 is one of those games that I know I'm going to buy regardless. Yeah. And the least amount of stuff that I can have spoiled for me, the better. Yeah. But I heard there is kind of a lot of weapon crafting in this one. Yeah. So it really reminded me of the Fallout series. Okay. I think it's a Fallout series. Where you could put it, like, you could make a teddy bear launcher. You just basically customize these random hodgepodge of household like items. Dead Rising. Yeah, that too. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be interesting. Like, there was a rocket powered, or like a, you're basically a rocket launcher off your back. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I, it looks beautiful. You, you got a puppy with a wheelchair. Dude, he's so cute. Um, you got like crocodiles. You got and- Giancarlo Esposito as the main villain in this one. Yeah. No, I Gus. I will definitely be getting this day one. Mm. Is there a release uh, date? I don't I didn't see that. Yes. So we've got October seventh, okay, twenty twenty one for Far Cry six. We've got Kana coming in August. We've got Sonic Colors Ultimate coming in September. And I think that Horizon is most likely gonna land in September. Yeah. But I we did not get a release date. But before we get to that was on track though. Before we get to that. What did you think of the 19-minute gameplay demo of Horizon for Horizon? Midwest? Holy shit, dude. I'm so excited. I I think I stated last week Horizon was my first uh, platinum trophy ever. And 
everything I could do to bathe in as much lore as possible. That that's what I did. I didn't collect except for collecting all of the little uh, voice things around the map. Mm-hmm. But dude, I this it was amazing. It was beautiful. Um, the I know people are com- like complaining about clipping hair, but that's gonna happen with any hair in any game. Um, her Aloy's face looks a little bit different. Um, I don't, I can't tell if that's because it's upresed or what, but it looks like they're using a little bit different model mm. from the first. The combat looks amazing. Oh my gosh! Uh, the verticality and the movement looks significantly faster. More involved too. I feel like there's just more more options at your disposal as it relates to your spear. Yeah. Like you can connect all these different artifacts and start like spraying electricity everywhere and. Yeah, I, I like the uh, Breath of the Wild kind of parachute laser thing. A holographic glider? Oh, Are you dude, kidding me? So good. Um, I did get. I do watching it a second and third time. I do understand Nintai's complaint about the yellow around the map. Because Horizon, the first one, anywhere you could climb, usually had like a yellow ledge. Oh, yeah. Um, And then in the trailer, some of those, right before you go into that, I think the water sequence, which was amazing. Oh, my gosh. There were some pillars that she climbed up. Mm -hmm. And they had little yellow slots, which was a little bit jarring because it was a lot of yellow and Mm -hmm. it sticks out. But I think that's what it's supposed to do. We'll see if that's a complaint when we play through the game, but I also like knowing where I'm going. So I mean, I, I understand. I understand it kind of pulls you out of that immersion. Mm-hmm. You know, it reminds you of like, oh, I'm playing a video game. But how would you know otherwise? You know, it, yeah, unless is... you can climb everything, then you wouldn't need it. But it does. It's more linear for the climbing. I mean, there's yeah, there's definitely a balance that needs to be struck with that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I don't know. That's I think that is a minor nitpick to an otherwise stunning looking game i mean i think we're we're finally look getting a glimpse as to what next generation video games look like i think we're definitely going to get it with ratchet and clank a rift apart horizon forbidden west looks great we haven't seen much of kana but what we have seen looks you know like a pixar film come to life it was surprising how much foliage was on screen at one time yeah um holy crap like rendering all of those individual leaves and everything that was surprising um, there was a ton of foliage underwater and just the amount of everything underwater was surprising. Um, generally, when I think of underwater, it's just kind of like a flat, like no actual definition to the landscape. But yeah. There was so much coral and reefage. Well, and I love, too, that you have that little apparatus thing that reminds me of what they used in The Phantom Menace. Yes. When yeah. Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan swam, swam down to the, the Gungans. That little city. Uh, But yeah, no, I was even saying too, and kind of making the joke in our Discord that is Horizon 3 going to be called the Unexplored Deep, where it's just completely set underwater? Because I want to just, I just want to explore every nook and cranny of the sea and see all of the different sea life. I think that was one of the really refreshing things too, because in the first game, at least to my recollection, maybe there were birds and stuff flying around, but it was mostly just the mechanical monsters. Yeah. And I feel like in, in this game, there is so much more. Um, real sea life and on land, you know, animals and stuff running around that it just makes me, it feels more alive than the first game did because it was so desolate and I don't want to say hollow because there was so much to explore and, you know, Zero Dawn, but it did feel like they really leaned heavily on the mechanical dinosaur trope. Yeah. 
And I feel like this, they're really kind of going all out with the world. Yeah, that could be a Poseidon-based kind of, there was a base down there. Because it's all based around what, like the main villains, Hades? So they're all based off of the gods. So that would be cool. I mean, I, I'm super excited. The I think they only showed new uh, dinosaurs or new mechanical things. Mm-hmm. They had the little raptor pack. They had like the elephant. Um, I think there was one more. The combat looked great. What do you? What was your? What were your thoughts on the new kind of stylized attacks? I mean, it gets me excited because I, I know a lot of complaints coming away from Horizon Zero Dawn, the first game, was that kind of my, to my point about the world itself is that it felt kind of hollow. It felt kind of rinse and repeat. It felt kind of like yeah. most other open world games outside of the mechanical dinosaurs. It kind of just felt like just another open world, explore a bunch of stuff, do side quests and play 30 hours of that. And, and you, that's all you get. You know, I didn't feel that way personally, Mm-mm. but I understand the criticism. And I feel like in this game, they're really upping the ante and making gameplay feel more fresh, feel more unique. And you saw that in the trailer with riding whatever mechanical beast you were riding, shooting arrows. I, I felt like game, gameplay, it was more nuanced in the sense of how you can approach it. You can pull out your spear mid-combat. You can use your arrow. There's all kinds of other, um, I say artifacts because I don't know of another word to use. Um, but yeah, no, I just feel like there's they're mixing it up far more than they did in the first game. They definitely took the criticisms to heart and I think they want to make this game just more unique and fresh than the first. Yeah, because I, I'm curious how many new guns they'd be adding to kind of change up that experience. The the gel or the the tar gun that was launched at the elephant that kind of slowed it down. Mm-hmm. That's a new gun. Um my biggest complaint about the combat for the first one was the just the melee stuff. Yeah. Well, you got your stick. Um, it allows you to change monsters to your side, but that's pretty much it. Um, so being able to jettison electricity from it is awesome. Yeah. Um, or some of those stuns to break off armor would be cool. Yeah, I'm curious to see what new guns they do or add. Um, as far as the story, I'm super excited. I have no idea what's going on. I'll have to watch a recap, but I think the main gist is you're still trying, or what's his face, released Hades, or cat, didn't he catch Hades in a box at the end? I don't remember. Cool. Yeah, so I just remember, like, the final scene. I don't want to spoil it, because I know a lot of people haven't played the first game. Yeah. So. I think the main villain will be Hades in this one. I'm not sure, but it'll be interesting to see what they do with the East Coast. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I love that it's in a broken down kind of California or San Francisco. So you mean West Coast? Southeast, West, West Coast. It's, it's literally called the Forbidden West. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shh, cardinal directions are rough. Yeah. Because usually I go north, south, east, west, but I'm like, I'm going to 50-50 pick one. <laughs> you, you picked the wrong I one. I picked the wrong one. Now look like a fool. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the Forbidden East is probably the third one, and that's where you get your oceans. Exactly. Yeah. The East Coast is known for their oceans. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, we can just gush for like thirty minutes, but yeah. I, I, I'm super excited. I have no problem with them not releasing a release date or mm-hmm. sharing it. 
um, just to take the stress off the cast. And if they have to push you back, they don't need to apologize now. It's just, hey, we needed to not beat up our employees. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally with you. I tweeted as soon as the, because that was kind of the main takeaway. It was, it, and that's just the current state of the world, right? People were talking less about, oh my gosh, this looks so good. And why do we not have a release date for this yet? Mm-hmm. You know, and I kind of tweeted immediately and was just like, I'm sure not tying a release date to this game and re- announcing that publicly, because you better believe management, whoever's overseeing the development of this game <coughs> is tracking towards a release date. And yeah. everyone that's part of that development team knows the date they're tracking towards, but yeah. not publicly announcing that relieves so much pressure on that team. When you see games like um, Halo's being the biggest one, in Halo, you know, you see something like Cyberpunk and that whole situation. I mean, that was a learning lesson for development teams everywhere. Yeah, you know, and I don't want to say I'm glad that it happened, but I think it was nice in the sense that like now teams like Gorilla can just say, "Hey." Here's our game. Mm-hmm. We're tracking towards our date, which they originally said 2021. They didn't say spring. They didn't say summer. They didn't say fall. So all we know is that it's potentially coming out in 2021. And if they're on track towards that, I don't care if it's August, September, or December 31st. I'm just excited to play this game. Wasn't it one of the devs who tweeted that they're on track? He said, I, I know we didn't say it. We'll basically address it now. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm completely fine with that. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's good. And I, I, it is surprising how much cyberpunk changed the industry yeah. for the better. Yeah. Even through its suckage. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Horizon. I, I, I figure God of Wars. They they kind of went the same approach, but it, that'll probably be 22. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could still see a case for Horizon Forbidden West coming out in the spring of 2022. And, you know, God of War Ragnarok, I think that's a fall 2022 game. Like, yeah. There's no way that game's coming I out I mean, honestly, year. I don't care if it comes out this year. I, yeah. I just want a polished, perfect story. The first one was amazing. And if it takes a little bit time longer to cook in the oven, then so be it. Yeah. Well, and, and plus, Corey Balrog, I know he puts a ton of pressure on himself. And the last thing I want to see is him just completely mentally break and have to walk away from the project because he... He has so much pressure for himself to release it this year. Yeah, and if you guys have two hours, there is a documentary of the making of uh, God of War. It's called like Making Kratos or something like that? Something like that. And they basically go through the entire development cycle of like video camera. It's surprising they video camera or videoed the entire process. Mm. Like some of those meetings, some of those deadlines, like apparently one of the Sony execs came in it was like i think it was a sony president came in and tried out god of war and it was like this is shit like towards the beginning before even the e3 launch with the beginning opening oh wow and he was just like shitting bricks because he got like called into a room but like definitely worth watching to see what goes on behind the scenes because you can see the stress on Corey. yeah um and then you get to see the final like his like him seeing that it got like a 94, 95, why so much emotion goes into it. So good watch. Nice. Yeah. Once I end up finishing the game, I will definitely have to do that. You've tried like four times. At I this know. Point. I know. And you really should have put that on your freaking list. I should have, you know, I feel like I hope God of War is like what goes to Tsushima was for me last year mm-hmm. where I originally played it and I was like, kind of like, having conversations with myself behind the scenes like i just don't think i really like this game i just don't think this game is for me 
but I didn't want to force it. And I, I waited a few months and then I came back to it in the fall on PS five after I finished stuff like miles Morales. And it was my game of the year in 2020, Yeah, you know? And so I, I really do foresee a time where I just have this epiphany and I really want to play God of War and it ends up becoming one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah. But it, I mean, you're only like five hours in, it might be best to start over Yeah, as painful as that is because your original stream, you missed a lot of the side dialogue and the banter of like the dwarves and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you should play that before you play or Ragnarok comes out. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And I, I definitely, I hope they continue to keep details on that game's development cycle tight because if I see a trailer, even though I've had the end of that game spoiled for me, it, it's going to probably, I don't know if it's going to motivate me to want to play the game more or like, okay, well now I already know where the characters are at in the story. So maybe I just don't even need to play God of War anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I could yeah. convince myself to feel that way. Yeah, and, I don't and then want I'd that. have to slap you <laughs> and tie you to your chair until you beat it. Yeah. I yeah. think Lauren would agree that you have to play God of War eventually. I agree, so. yeah. It's all good. It's all good. But, yeah, Horizon, I'm super excited. As far as these announcements, really, the more, the better. Yeah. Keep them coming. Um, it'll be interesting to see what all is released this summer as we move into, like, the peak season. Definitely. Yeah, um, a lot of exciting... Uh, surprises and announcements ahead, I'm sure. When is the E3? Is that July or I think June? it's next weekend. R- you're joking. No, I'm serious. Like, I can, is it really? I can pull it up. Fuck. <laughs> um, E3 2021. We're doing this live on the show. I'm not going to edit this out. Saturday, June 12th through Tuesday. How's it already June, dude? June 15th. Yeah, so we got two weeks. Holy crap. So we can right. always next weekend. Well, no, we got to... No, well, now we got to tease the next segment of the Wait, show. Is Xbox... Isn't there like a pre E3? Yeah, I'm not really sure what the schedule is, but we might Elden Ring next weekend. I doubt it. <laughs> but we've been saying that for like three years. I know it's been at least a year and a half. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's it for the news cycle. I think we've got to cap the show. I think because Ryan and I don't have much else to talk about. But what we do want to say. Again, we were planning on doing Destiny Island Challenge, our next segment of Otaku Brothers, but. Again, it was a crazy week. We couldn't prepare for it. Or at least I know I couldn't. But next weekend, Ryan and I will be kickstarting that segment of the show. And what it is, if you missed last week's episode, <clears throat> you know, people always talk about and have that age-old debate of if you were on an island and you only had three video games that you could take with you and play for the rest of your life, what three games would those be? And Ryan and I kind of wanted to take that idea, blow it up, make it a little bit bigger, And what, you know, the idea for it is we're going to select a console. It could literally be any console ever created as it relates to video games, dating back to something like the Fairchild F, the Nintendo Entertainment System, all the way to something more modern like the Switch or the PlayStation 4 or something like that. And Ryan and I, for the first time we're doing this segment, are going to be talking about the Sega Genesis. Oh, yeah. Because you and I don't have any experience with the console. Not at all. <laughs> and not only are we going to be selecting five games, not three, that we would be playing for the rest of our lives, we've talked about it on Otaku Brothers all the time. This is an educational program. And so Ryan and I are going to talk about the history of the Sega Genesis, when it was released, how well was it received, how many units did it sell, 
all of the fun facts. We got to bring the fun trivia talking about what is the Sega Genesis? You know, what was the hype like back in whatever year released? I assume the late 80s, early 90s. And this should be a lot of fun because it's an opportunity for Ryan and I to broaden our horizons, get out of our comfort zone a little bit in terms of, you know, exploring a library of games we're not familiar with. Yeah. It Maybe it hurts my wallet. Maybe I go to the old Ebays and pick up a few games. But I'm just excited to explore a library that I have a great appreciation for the system. I love the synth, bassy type music that plays. Mm-hmm. It's unlike anything else. The moment you hear music from a Sega Genesis game, at least for me, I know it is Sega Genesis music. It's just very iconic. And I'm looking forward to picking five games from the library. Yeah, it'll be a ton of fun. I pretty much know nothing as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it'll be a good segment. And prepare yourselves, guys. Part of this segment, too, is about getting the listeners involved. So if you're listening to this and whether you're a big fan of the Sega Genesis or not, consider sending in your top five games for the console or just five games that you would want to spend the rest of your life playing if you were on a deserted island right into the show at Otaku Brothers Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We would love to read your game picks on the show because Ryan and I are not going to be sharing our lists with each other leading up to the recording. So it'll be completely new and fresh for us as well. And uh, it'll be a fun discussion if some people write in and share their top five games too. Yeah, no, it'll be a great time. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. You can show your support for the show by going to the old Apple iTunes, leaving us a review, rating us five stars. Let us know what you like about the show. Maybe let us know what you don't like about the show. Whatever feedback, whatever makes the show better, we'd very much appreciate it. But as we close out every episode of Otaka Brothers, I turn it back to my co-host, Ryan, and ask him if he has any parting words for the good listeners. Yeah, so uh, I got an interesting fact that I won't be able to pronounce. Okay. Um, so you know the Smurfs? Of course. The blue people? Yeah. Yeah, there's some allegory or whatever. Um, so there are actually people in the real world that have blue skin. Really? Yeah, there um, There was, a. Gr- I think it was a family, I think it was a very incestuous family, but they had blue skin, and they were, they were like the blue people of Kentucky. Really? Yeah. When was this? And it's it's crazy looking. Um, I want to say it's like in the last 20 years or 1820s. Okay, but they it's about have 20 years ago. like some skin disease or blood disorder called methyl. There's no way I can explain this. Look up blue skinned people of Kentucky. Okay. And they're basically Smurf people with beards. It's great. Really? Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. So. You can get blue skin if you have diseases. <laughs> the more you know. Wow. I think it's a genetic disorder, but yeah. Interesting. And so that's the first instance of that? At least first reported incident of that. I don't know if it's the first reported, but it was the, one of the mo, more iconic uh, groups of blue-skinned people. Interesting. Yeah. Unaffiliated with the Blue Men group on Broadway. Yeah, a little bit different, less musical. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Huh. Look it up. It's creepy. (laughs) We said it once. We'll say it again. This is an educational program. Every single week, you got to stay for the end of the show because not only does Ryan bring the fascinating, weird, interesting facts, you're always going to learn something new. Uh, We also got to fade out the show with some good tunes. So thank you, everyone, once again for listening to the show. We very much appreciate it. We'll be back next week debuting the Destiny Island Challenge segment. All right. Take it easy, and we'll see you then.
See ya.